wash away each sin. Good evening. Hi, Samantha. It's not on? Or turned on? <laughs> okay. I will praise him. This is out of another hymnal. It's not in our hymnal. I will praise him. my cup, Lord. Fill it up. Yeah. 
Good evening. That was loud. Y'all awake? You are now. It's a privilege and honor to be able to come before you tonight and bring you the Word of God. I love talking about the Word of God. I love studying the Word of God. And when I get a chance to speak it, I love speaking the Word of God. Ask the students. Sometimes I get rather rowdy. And they say, Thomas, settle down now. Or my wife says, settle down now. No. But it's just what I love to do. But uh, this afternoon or this evening, we're going to be talking uh, about a word that I think is kind of missing today. And that word is boldness. And we're going to be reading about two men who, ex- who showed this boldness. And uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Um, I will admit the, the scripture that we're going to read is rather lengthy, but I've got to get the whole story in, but I promise I'm not going to dive in on each verse. So it's only 31 verses, and I promise I won't keep you past 9 o'clock tonight. <laughs> I already hear the bottles rattling, starting getting ready to throw at me. <laughs> so oh, Harold said it's past his bedtime. I'm sorry, Harold. I'll try to get out a little bit quick now. Acts chapter 4 and we see here, kind of give a history of what's going on here. We see Peter and John being arrested. And, uh, and that's what we dive into. So if you want to join in with me in Acts chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1 and we'll read all the way to 31. While they were speaking to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple police and the Sadducees confronted them. Because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them, and they took him into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means was he healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. 
They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage, and the people's plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in, his, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, assemble together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your, your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats, and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they assembled were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Father God, I just pray that in these next few moments as we dive into this word, and Father, and see what you have for us, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would manifest itself in our hearts and that, Father, you would open up our hearts and that we would receive the message that you have for us tonight. Father, just like Peter and John here and the boldness that they had and the boldness we're going to talk about, Father, may you begin to give us the boldness that we need to do the work that you've called us to do. Father, I ask you receive glory in everything that is said and done. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I know this is a lot of scripture, but I'm going to try to dial it in real quick here. Uh, several things that we can take place from this passage. As you can see, Peter and John were arrested. Uh, the Sanhedrin's confronting them because obviously they did something that the people didn't like. They healed somebody. Um, but the thing about it, the crowd was giving glory to God. But yet the Sanhedrin still didn't like it. And if you know much about the Sanhedrin, you know they didn't like things changed. They, they liked to follow everything to a strict letter of the law and everything. Anything outside that, they just couldn't explain. They couldn't put it to words. So there's like, okay, we got to stop it. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. But we see in the uh, following verses um, that Peter, when, they was brought, when Peter and John were brought before the Sanhedrin, we see the boldness fixing to take place. We see Peter, the first thing we see in verse 8, we see that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. As the, the Sanhedrin brought the, uh, Peter and John before him and said, okay, what are you going to say? What do you have to say for yourself? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking. Now, we understand through the scriptures, how are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You ask God. You got to surrender. There's a surrender take place. It's not something that, okay, God, I'm saved. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to go. No. Yes, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when we accept Him. But there's still something going on in our life. There's still a war going on in our life between light and darkness, good and evil. And we have to surrender each and every day to the power of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and we could see, obviously, this is what Peter did. This is after the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he ascended into heaven. We know that during the time on earth when Christ was here, the disciples were kind of crazy. It was almost like, hello, can you not understand what's going on? Can you not understand what Jesus is doing? And then Jesus is taken up, all that changes. We see a total difference in the disciples. And several instances where we see Peter stand up and preach. And here we see that he stand up and spoke. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is something that we need to strive for each and every day. But understand this. Peter did not get up and condemn them. Peter did not get up and say, hey, woe is me, blah, 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 woe is me. Hey, uh, I've been treated wrong. No. Another thing we need to see, yes, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But in verse uh, 10, it says, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, Peter's response was Jesus Christ. A lot of times when we're called and said, okay, we take the time, well, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, you need to do this. No, Peter was like, no. He took the opportunity to stand in front of the Sanhedrin and proclaim Jesus Christ. He went on to tell him and said, this Jesus of Nazareth that you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that is why this man's standing here. That is why this man is healed. It's not my doing. It's not John's doing. It's not anybody else doing. But it's all because of what Jesus Christ is and what he did. Even when it goes on to say, the stone rejected by you guys has become the cornerstone. And then declares it all. There is no salvation in no one else. For there is only no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Again, he is pointing to Jesus Christ. But then we see the boldness of these two disciples, Peter and John. When the, in verse 13, it says, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John. And it took a lot of boldness for them to stand up to the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrins, they were just a bunch of religious zealots. And, you know, they were hard people to deal with. But when they observed the boldness of Peter and John, and then they realized that they were uneducated, untrained men. Now, you got this uneducated, untrained man standing before well-educated and well-trained men, but the boldness that they had, they were amazed. And they immediately recognized it was because they had been with Jesus. So not only do we see that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter and John both were filled with the Holy Spirit, not only did they respond with Jesus, but they were different. And the Sanhedrin saw it, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They saw a change in them. And I don't think it was a physical, yes, they had been there with him physically, but I think it was much more with that because it said that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. That means Peter and John and all the rest of the disciples, they'd been fellowshipping with God even after he left they'd been praying they'd been studying they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they go on to say they saw the man standing there and kind of got tired of it say okay leave we got to talk about this and what they say 
They asked a question. A question that should never have been asked. But yet it was. A bunch of religious leaders are asking a question. What should we do with these men? What should we do with these men that are spreading the gospel, that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are on fire for God, that are, in their minds, causing a scene? For an obvious sign has been done through them. They, they recognize that a miracle has happened. Clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and they cannot deny it. But this is the sad truth. That next verse in verse 13. They recognized it. They recognized who it was. But they said, we have to stop this so it does not spread any further amongst the people. Now, these were religious leaders. Now, I want you to stop and think about something. Let's fast forward 2,000 years and bring those religious leaders here to modern day. What would those religious leaders be doing in our church today? They'd more likely be welcomed with open arms. They'd likely be serving in leadership roles, whether pastors, elders, deacons, whatever it may be. Why? Because they had the education. They had the education. They had the know-how. They had the smarts. They had everything that was needed to teach the gospel or to, to teach the Bible. But they lacked one thing. They lacked heart. And we see this in their question, okay, what should we do? We, we got to do, we got to stop this. Because we can't let this spread any longer. And so the answer was, we're going to kick them out. We're going to make them leave. In other words, they're going to tell them to shut up. You're causing too much problems. You're disrupting things. So please just go on your way and be quiet. And I love what they answered. In verse 19, you know, we see because the fear came over the Sanhedrin here. They recognized Jesus, but then fear came over the Sanhedrin when they asked him to leave. Uh, they told him pretty much to shut up and go away. Don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John, you know, they're, they're, fill, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Boldness has continued coming out of them. And they said, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you or rather than to God... You decide that. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. You know, in a nutshell, you know what they said? No. We got to follow God. We're not following you. You can tell us to shut up all you want. But we're following God. If you don't like that, so be it. And then they threatened them further. Then they released them because they really found no way to punish them. But this next set of verses, I think, is really the defining point. Yes, we see, we see a great story taking place in Peter and John. We see boldness stepping up. They, I mean, they really stepping up in boldness. We know they're on fire for God. We know they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But what tends to happen to Christians when they get shut up or shut down, 
their pride gets hurt. They often run to their closest family member and they start yakking, right? They start talking. You know what they just did? You know what the Sanhedrin just did? They just told me to shut up because I was spreading the gospel. And I know I'm using a harsh word, shut up, forgive me. Sometimes the truth hurts. But that's exactly what we do. We get our feelings hurt and, and we run and we're like, well, you know what happened? What, what, who are these people to tell me what I can and can't do? I'm here doing the work of God, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's what we tend to do. We tend to run and gossip. Now, mind you, the Sanhedrin overlooked the fact in 21 that there was this group of people giving glory to God over what had just been done. The people were loving it. The people were giving God glory. But the Sanhedrin shut them up and sent them on their way. But in verse 23, I think this is a very, very important part of the story that we tend to miss. It says, after they released, they went to their own people, all right. They went and reported everything that all the Sanhedrin, the chief priests, elders, and they had to do, said to them. They said everything to them. But one difference. When they heard it, they cried out to God. They raised their voices together to God and said, Master. They recognized him as master. They recognized him who he was. You're the one who made the heaven and the earth. You created everything, the sea, everything that's in it. They were recognizing his sovereignty and what he was doing, what he has done through creation. You said through your Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against the Messiah. He was repeating Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 that David had written. David was again crying out to God, Why, God? Have you ever cried out to the government or cried out to God of what was going on in the government? Have you ever cried out to God for the darkness that's plaguing our country? You're going to think I'm a lion, but I'm fixing to tell you a story. You can actually go research it yourself. I was working out at the gym the other day, and of course they have TVs all over the place. And some of it is stuff I really don't care to watch because it's called this... Uh, four or five letter word called the news that I really don't care to watch. But something came across the new, uh, one of the stations and I, I, I really almost stopped in my tracks of what I was doing and I had to reread what I saw. All over our country in democratic run cities, you know what they're doing to stop the drug overload, over, overdose, the criminal drug, whatever is going on? You know what they're actually doing? 
they're installing vending machines with crack in it. I didn't stutter. Like I said, I literally almost came to a screeching halt. In order to try to stop the drug overdose and the crime that has is plaguing, the, the, they are setting out vending machines with crack in it. What? When's the last time? You cried out to God for the darkness that's plaguing our country. Sometimes we can't. And I'm going to say something that may ruffle some feathers, but I'm going to say it. Sometimes we can't get past, or we can't cry out to God for what's going on in our government for the very darkness that's plaguing our churches. The more I study Scripture, the more it breaks my heart of possibly the people that we won't see in heaven that maybe sat in pews for years and years and years. And understand this the Bible warns us of it. The Bible warns us in the latter days there's going to be false teachers, false prophets. There's going to be people that feel like they're a Christian. They may live like they're a Christian, but they never once acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. These were the people that Peter and John were dealing with. Same people, same type of people that we're dealing with today. They dealt with. Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against the Messiah. Do you not see this taking place in the United States of America today? And then it continues, for in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will predestined to take place. Lord, consider the threats and grant your servants that they may speak your word with all boldness. They weren't whining. They weren't complaining. They were telling God, God, you see what's going on. Instead of us sitting back, give us the boldness that we need to stand up and do what you've called us to do. Give us the boldness to proclaim your word. Give us the boldness to step out on faith and to walk by faith. Where are the Christians today? But I love this last part. They were crying out to God in one accord. They raised their voices together to God and they were just, God, this is who you are. 
This is what's going on. Then in verse 31 it says, When they had prayed, the place where they assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak more boldly. They were already bold. We already see the boldness with Peter and John. They ran home and told their friends what was going on. They cried out to God. There was already boldness, but God gave them more boldness. It's not like they didn't have it enough already. But when was it the last time you were sitting in a church service and the building shook? I'm not saying literally. I'm saying the power of the Holy Spirit shook this place. When was the last time? Do you remember? When was the last time you prayed for boldness? Or you spent so much time with God that He gave you boldness like Peter and John did? See, sometimes we don't necessarily have to pray for it. It automatically comes as we continue studying. The more we study, the more we pray, the more we fellowship with God, it's almost like our spirits come aligned with God. We don't have to ask it. He just gives it, a, gives it to us. I had a sad to share this story, but Tosh and I had a former student back in Little Rock, we weren't youth pastors, but we were volunteers, and we got to know a lot of these kids, and um, of course, you know what Facebook is, and you know, this is Pride Month, but there's a lot of Christians out there talking, you know, spreading the, the rainbow, the, the rainbow picture that belongs to God, and you know, saying this is God's promise, and everything, and one of our nieces posted it, and one of our former students got ugly with it. And being the guy that I love to debate things with, talk scripture with, I started talking to this former student. And during the course of talking, my heart was broken. The student's in her 20s now. But she'd given up on God. She walked away from the faith altogether. Joined up the homosexual lifestyle. And condemned God all the way. I spoke love to her. I spoke scripture to her. I shared the gospel with her. Whether that helps or not, that's up to God. That's between her and God. I was talking to my boys the other day. One of our neighbors across the street, they just boldly are displaying Pride Month colors. And at first I made a comment to my boys. I said, you know, I should put a sign out in the yard saying something about God. But, you know, God pricked my heart and said, all that's going to do is make them angry. 
But you know what God gave me after that? He gave me a desire to pray for him. Now that every time I look at the house, which is every day when I pull up, leave the house, when I come back, you know, leave the house, when I come back, you know, pull back in the house, you know, they're getting prayed for two or three times a day. Is that something we should be doing? Yeah. But it's also boldness. Because the more we get into God's word, the more we pray, the more our hearts begin to align with his heart. He gives us everything we need. Even sometimes when we don't think it. Okay, where did this come from? It's the Holy Spirit working through you. In church, the world needs to see Jesus through us in every step of we every word we say every step we take they need to see us now more than ever they need to see us now they don't need to see us condemn them they don't need to see us condemn their sin because you got to remember you were once in sin too and when I going back to the student that I was talking to her former student we were talking to she kept saying oh but this is a this is this is a group of love. That's a lie from the devil because as Christians, where does love come from? You cannot truly love somebody unless you know God. Because God is love. God is the source of love. And my eyes were open to the lies that devil is telling these people. The evil that he is spreading through these people to deceive, the evil he's spreading in our government. When will we say enough is enough? Because church, guess where we're going to fix it? Right here. It doesn't start in this building. It could. But it starts with us being the church. It starts with us getting on our face before God and repenting of our sins. Asking God to fill us with the Holy Spirit and to give us boldness to go out into the world. We're not supposed to stay here. We're supposed to go outside these walls to our neighborhoods, our schools, our families, everywhere. So what is it going to be? You going to ask God for boldness? You know, sometimes boldness is standing up when you're fixing to get laughed at. Sometimes boldness is going to places where you may not return. Our missionaries practice boldness each and every day. Those are over in foreign countries. Sometimes boldness is getting up and doing stuff that we don't want to do. But what if God wants you to do it? What is God telling you to do? Is God telling you to stand up? And have boldness for him? 
Is God telling you to stand up and love your neighbors despite the culture they live? Do you pray for them? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that you've given us. Father, I thank you for this word. And Father, my prayer is that you would raise up Peter's and John's, Mary's and Martha's in this church that will stand up for truth, that will stand up and be bold for you. Father, we know it's not always easy. Father, we know there's going to be trials. We know there's going to be tribulations. But Father, this world is getting so dark that it's beginning to infiltrate our churches. And Father, I'm tired of the sin. So God, I'm asking you, raise us up, Lord. Raise us up to be the sons and daughters that you've called us to be. Raise us up to have 100% boldness to go where you want us to go, to be who you want us to be, to say what you want us to say. Father, raise us up. It is time for us to get up and do something as Christians. It's time to be like Peter and John. And Father, stir up the crowd by doing your work. But Father, that only comes when we get before you and we surrender our own hearts to you and we cry out to you, Father. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Repent of our sins. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Father, my prayer is, is that you would start this here, this very night. Father, we love you. Be with us as we go home. Keep us safe. Guide us and direct us. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen. Um, you see the announcements on the screen. If you read the bulletin, you know what the announcements are. I'm not going to go into them because I don't have a bulletin in front of me. But, uh, uh, but you know what's going on. The quick things that we really need to be focusing on is in the morning, um, Georgie, be with, praying for Georgie. I think uh, they go in at 9, and it starts at 11, and it's a four-hour procedure. So please, please remember them in prayer as she has the surgery. Um, and we will, as soon as we get updates, we will be uh, sending them out um, to keep you all informed. Also be in prayer for Jay Frank. He's having a procedure, not this Friday, two weeks, 22nd. Uh, so be in prayer for him. Um, we've got a couple others. Anybody else got anything that I might be missing? Jerry Chase, yes. Yeah, I talked to him last week. He wasn't here today, was he? No. Talked to him last week, and he was. I was kind of surprised he was even here. But he was moving kind of slow and kind of sore, but he's going to be having that heart valve replacement, right? Okay. We don't know when yet, do we? Okay. Just keep it in his prayer that God will keep him healthy until that can take place. No other setbacks can happen. Anybody else got anything? Who? Who? Oh.
Esther. Oh yeah, this weekend. Esther, those you go on Saturday or those going this coming Saturday, be here at eight o'clock, or Harold will leave you. It's good if you haven't seen it. It's good, very, very, very good. It is very. It's one of my favorite stories. Well, I can't. I have a lot of favorite stories, but it falls in line with one of those. But and it's not. I, I will echo. I think Brother Max said it. It's not one of their shows that have all the big things going. It's it's very kind of complex, but still great. This the message. The message is amazing. So y'all will enjoy that. Anybody else? Oh, I thought I saw your hand up. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, just remember those surgeries tomorrow and upcoming in a couple weeks, the 22nd. And uh, if there's not anything else, we are dismissed. Will you dismiss us in prayer, brother?